Well, a couple of uh, my family members and friends, you can, they, they knew I was nervous. They, they came in here, and the first few things that came out of their mouth is, did you go to the bathroom? How many coffees uh, have you had? And how did you get to this place? So I don't know that I can answer all those, but maybe the latter I can. So good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Tracy Colgrove, and I am the resident pastor here at City Light Southwest Iowa. And what a pleasure it is to be here with you today, uh, worshiping Jesus on Palm Sunday. Uh, so as most of you know, uh, or if you don't, I have transitioned out of a previous position, and I have uh, moved into uh, this new position here uh, as resident pastor, and it has been an interesting ride, to say the least, over the last few months. I feel like God used uh, several circumstances along the way to call me in closer to him. Um, the first would have been actually a little over a year ago. I was introduced uh, to a gentleman named uh, Mark Hardesty, um, and then um, I was actually going through um, uh, the resident, uh, I'm sorry, I was going through um, a class to become a member out in City Light Council Bluffs. And so um, in, in doing that, I sat down with uh, Pastor Eric um, in Council Bluffs, and he actually um, told me a, a little whisper in my wife about this place here in Emerson. So I felt an immediate excitement, and I believe I can speak for my wife that she did as well. And so we were both drawn in. We, if you know us, you know that we grew up in rural uh, areas and uh, were drawn to that immediately. And it hadn't even come to fruition yet. Uh, however, God knew our hearts, and so here we jumped in in July and helped to plant City Light Southwest Iowa. So um, that was God's uh, first um, of drawing me in in many circumstances. And then the second would have been uh, last uh, August, September. Uh, I, God knew that I had a passion for uh, the ministry of men, and I feel like he opened the door and ushered me in uh, to work with um, young men and other uh, gentlemen in this church. And uh, God had opened that door, and that was amazing. That was the second. And then lastly, um, would have been last fall, in October, the busiest time in my previous uh, position, uh, I felt this excitement and this stirring in my heart, um, and, and it would not quit. I could not sleep. Uh, I, 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 my wife uh, can attest. Uh, it was just kind of a time where unsettling time where I did not know what it was, but it wasn't anxiety. It was excitement. Um, and I, I, through the sermon and prayer, I felt the Lord draw me in, um, and he was speaking to me and going into pastoral ministry. So he knew my heart, um, he, he drew me in, and here I am today standing before you um, through God's grace. Um, I feel like uh, that, that, that third time he just said, hey, I've got two yeses on the table from this guy already. I'm going to roll the dice on him, and we'll see what, how he ends up. And so... Uh, amen, and, and thank the Lord that he has given a guy like me grace and forgiveness, and I am here today. So enough about me and how um, I got here, although it was uh, truly by God. I want to uh, transition uh, into this day today and the importance of it, Palm Sunday. So if we look back thousands of uh, years ago, uh, Jesus obviously was uh, just uh, preparing to move into the city of Jerusalem um, on uh, Palm Sunday, and he actually um, 
was he could have come in with uh, the army of God behind him on a white stallion with the cavalry, but no, he humbled himself as a man, a servant of his people and his father, and uh, just came in on a donkey riding into the city of Jerusalem. And uh, that is had to have really uh, raised some uh, interest as he walked into the streets of Jerusalem. There was a hubbub. Lazarus had just been raised uh, from the dead. And uh, the miracle worker and the king was on his way in. They had the palm trees, uh, I'm sorry, the palm branches and the cloaks laid out in the street and prepared for the royalty of Jesus, the king, to come into the city. Um, and obviously, we, most of us know the rest of the story, what happened days later. But as he came, they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. We are so thankful for our King Jesus, and we celebrate what he did on this day and his courage to step forward to change the lives of the world. So my story is of much smaller significance, but uh, it is important, just the same. So before starting this uh, position, I obviously had to wrestle with what this all looked like uh, in the last few months and where my heart was in relation to Jesus. And, And I reflected back on a time about 14, 15 years ago at a time in my life, and uh I fell back in a period of being more working to achieve something, to be known by others and God. And uh, have any of you ever been there feeling like maybe uh, you have been in a works-based or that you needed to achieve the love of the Father or uh, somebody else around you? Has anyone felt that before? I'm not speaking specifically about work here, um, and uh, although that is where a big part of this uh, fallback in my life happened, um, a work environment is one of several reasons that my heart was led astray. Um, But I uh, remember thinking, what things had I done in my life that were from the heart of Jesus? You see, for years, I looked more like a self-righteous hypocrite um, excuse me, self-righteous hypocrite than a man uh, with the heart of Christ. And being self-righteous, uh, we learned from Jason a few weeks back, it is taking the judgment from God and Jesus and putting it into our own hands. Um, and even though I followed Jesus, um, I, I, and, and um, even though I followed Jesus, I was a Christian, Um, but I was living an unfruitful works-based life. And fruit is what comes from uh, our identity being lived out in Christ. And then uh, works is what we believe that we can do to get from point A to point B to accomplish something. God revealed this bigger picture of what I had become, and it became a moment of great significance in my life. And you could say it was a pivotal point where I started to uh, change. I had been patting myself on the back uh, for uh, different things, whether it be at work, in my personal life, uh, or in the church even. Uh, You know, I could look back and I can say I was in a, a Bible study, check, I was uh, serving the community, check. Um, I was uh, working in kids' ministry, check, and and on and on. And that is the way um, that my life was going. But where was my heart in all of that? I was not living 
uh, by the fruit of the Spirit. And as a follower of Christ, we die to our selfish ways and are reborn in Christ's own image. I was not living that way for this period in my life. So Jesus said in Corinthians 13, 12 through 13, For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now in faith, so now faith, hope, and love abide, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. As we act as the body of Christ, fruit comes to bear in our life, such as love, kindness, peace, and joy. As we grow in our relationship, uh, our own image should dim and Christ's ref- uh, and dim in reflection and Christ's image should grow brighter and come out through our lives. So I look back now and it was more important about my own image to be reflected to others and to Christ. And uh, does, this, does this sound uh, familiar to any of you? Um, I think that many have struggled with this in their lives. And today, I just want to go through four main points with you. Um, The first would be that uh, Jesus will tell us how we treat others and love others on our way to eternal life. He will show us the path in which to be fully known. Christ will warn us of how and whom we choose to follow. And number uh, four, he will give us the steps on how to get there. So we start off here in chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, in the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others do to you, do also for them. And this verse seems pretty easily understood when we first look at it. But to actually put this into practice in our lives is a lot different uh, of um, uh, an issue for us. God, our creator, has written this verse right on our hearts. It is the essence of whom Jesus was. The golden rule sums up the teaching of the Old Testament, and we see that Jesus gives us the how to live in this verse. Jesus bridged what his father talked about. This verse shows Christ actually walking the walk of what his father said. To be, to be Jesus is to love unconditionally where we are at, or where they are at. They uh, do his father's will and serve others. Jesus continues in the end of verse 12 here and says, For this is the law and the prophets. So the first time I was reading this, I thought, man, Jesus, is, he's throwing a wrench at here at me. What does this uh, mean? But if we dig deeper into this text, we see, in fact, that this, uh, he was, Jesus was saying the law was misinterpreted and abused. The Old Testament con- uh, and continues today in that. The Old Testament also foretold of the Messiah's coming to fulfill that law. Excuse me. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to expose the error of the Pharisees and the scribes um, of the preaching of self-righteousness and um, a works-based system in order to get to heaven. So somehow uh, that we should uh, 
can get there based on what uh, we did through these works-based system. So it was more about the Pharisees saying what we shouldn't do, do to steer clear of all these sins than what we should do, which Christ later teaches us. Um, the Pharisees demanded all whom wish to enter the kingdom of heaven must steer clear of these sins. And again, Sorry, I skipped a line there. The Pharisees and scribes were trying to play God in essence. So uh, if we look back to verse 12 again, it says, So whatever you wish that others do to you, do also for them. If I can be honest and take a look at myself, I like to be treated well by others. How about, how about you guys? <laughs> um, I think most of you would agree on this as well. So let's just take a second and turn this around. So... Let's look at this, um, turn it around and think about how we treat ourselves in contrast to how we like to be treated by others. So uh, I would guess that most of, you, most of us treat ourselves pretty well, right? Do you agree on that? I have treated myself at times as the one true king. I was prideful, self-centered, um, Excuse me, I was prideful, self-centered. I had expensive hobbies, uh, time-consuming. You can ask my wife about that later on. She can elaborate on that. Um, I had a big house. I had all the nice toys. But uh, Jesus showed me, uh, God showed me this type of lifestyle was sinful. And so I repented from that and turned and surrendered from that selfish act of the -the over-the-top American dream. I, I, I think that... That may sound, now that I say it, a little bit like the next big reality show, the -the over-the-top American dream. So I took pretty good care of numero uno right here in front of you. Um, And you could say that I treated myself better than anyone could treat me. That is, anyone but Jesus. Um, Jesus loved me before He loved me during that time, and he continues to love me uh, to this day, regardless of where I am at. Jesus never gave up on me through all of that. We uh, we do not have to, uh, I'm sorry, we see Jesus came to, sorry, he loved me uh, during um, Christ's love never failing and never ending. We see Jesus came to take away um, what the need to earn the Father's love. We do not have to feel the wrath of our Father in our own failures because uh, Jesus bought that freedom with the blood on the cross. We are adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father because of what Jesus did. I also failed in how I was treating others. I was so self-absorbed in my own life and wrapped up uh, to truly live out the golden rule. So just a quick quiz here. Uh, If you are a, no hard questions here. If you are a movie buff, raise your hand. Anybody in here claim to be a movie buff? Keep your hands raised if you're a movie buff. Okay, now, has anyone here seen the movie The Boiler Room? I, I hope that at least one person here has. Okay, okay. So first off, disclosure here. Um, Boiler Room is not a family movie, nor is it a Christian movie. So that is the disclosure that I'm going to tell you first. Um, Some of you may have seen a more recent movie. Uh, It was called A Wolf on Wall Street, I believe, um, or The Wolf on Wall Street, and that was Leonardo DiCaprio. So I I believe it was similar. I have not seen that movie, so I can't vouch for it. But 
Um, I saw this movie, Boiler Room, years ago, and it starred Ben Affleck and uh, Vin Diesel. You can tell those two right there made for an interesting movie. So they were like the uh, trainers, the bosses that led everybody, these entry-level stockbrokers. They were kind of teaching them and had their hands on um, teaching them and training them along the way. So the entry-level guys, entry-level stockbrokers, they learned to peddle to unsuspecting um, people over the phone. Most of them, they were singling out and trying to find them. They were powerful. They had wealth. And so they were using this as a uh, corruptive way to, in, to get these guys in and sell them these stocks. Some of them, which I, I can't remember exactly how it went, might have been uh, worthless. Uh, but upon the sale, they were rewarded with mansions, Ferraris, uh, nice luxury cars, and so many toys they didn't know what to do with. So uh, to transition this into a part in my life, I can tell you right off the bat, I don't have any Ferraris, never did, never will. I, I did have toys, I didn't live in a mansion, but I probably was living beyond my needs uh, from a position that I had. Um, I got started as an account manager in a staffing firm with a friend from high school. And so he started his own company, and I was his first employee, and I heard of his previous success and uh, his income, and to be honest, I have to say that I was a bit envious of what I saw in that. It was a high-intensity, high-reward job, and it started to become a bit cutthroat. So we later talked um, about this time frame as being like the Wild West of the staffing era. It was a time when anything went right. So before a lot of the rules and regulations had been formed, and it reminded me of this movie. And, And to be honest my boss would play this movie at the time in the office to try to motivate us. So no joke, the work environment was similar to the movie, guys getting on the phone, uh, just sweating out, grinding on the phone, making the calls. Um, And I did my best during that time to try to steer clear of those uh, cutthroat areas. And, uh, but I found myself Um, As I learned the business and stepped up in the ladder, that um, eventually I was overcome by the lifestyle uh, that was going on in that company. And at the top, I made it to a management position, and I looked around, and I didn't feel a sense of accomplishment at all. I had everything, but as I looked around, I had nothing. I felt like I was hollow in this instance. I missed the bigger picture of what God was doing here. I could have used this platform for so much more. And um, in nurturing relationships, yet I felt I ha- if I had done that and gone that route, I wouldn't have been where I had gotten. I sacrificed my uh, relationships and, uh, with, and, and faith in the Lord and stepped to the side. I stepped aside temporarily from my firm foundation that I had built in Christ in uh, this end, uh, this was an end, and it became an identity crisis for me with that. If I had not had the rock in Jesus, this time would have been very difficult, and I can't say that I would have come out of it on the right end. But God is good. It was a good life experience in a bad relationship environment. My heart was burdened, and I felt trapped in this situation. I walked 
away from the industry after almost 12 years. Jesus showed me the truth about what was done here and how I was led astray and and where I had put my faith in the wrong area. I started to treat people how I felt in the workplace, which was exactly opposite how I would like to be treated. Thankfully, God had different plans for me. I would imagine that most of us can't say that we treat others as well as we treat ourselves. Jesus wants us to know that he gets it. Jesus gets it. We all know this and how we want to treat one another, uh, but most of us fail. He says, I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. You will fail at this. City Light, this is a big deal. For this very reason, we need Christ as a Savior to set us free and to be rescued from our sins. We need to be freed from our hypocrisy uh, of how we treat others in the exact opposite way of how we want to be treated. As we as Christians, uh, sorry, we as Christians will fail to live up to God's expectations. It is impossible to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, we just need to stop, to pivot, and to turn our focus back to the gospel and the good news of Jesus. When every ounce of us says we cannot in our own bodies, in our mind, in our own power, we can call on the Holy Spirit to carry us through those times. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He enables us to do those mighty and overwhelming things as well as uh, those tedious and monotonous tasks. Jesus says in Matthew 7.13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, hell. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, heaven and eternity. And those who find it are few. So at first glance, uh, this verse again, it seems pretty simple to understand. We would all choose to go down that narrow path, right? That narrow path uh, is where uh, most of us would, would choose to go. Uh, what some of us, uh, Jesus is saying, few will enter the narrow gate that leads to life. What some of us know by professing uh, that Jesus, our Lord, is a Savior, and that believing uh, it, that he is the Son of God, we will have access to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That is correct. We ask ourselves, how do we get to that narrow gate, though? And how do we find that path? Well, as we wrestle with some of this, with this verse, some of us uh, will just miss it completely. I know that I did. Uh, what the answer in this verse is, is so simple. The gate is Jesus. Did you get that? Jesus is the gate that opens the door to that narrow path. The path leads us to eternal life. It will not be easy, but hard. Christ says, I pray that all of us in this room uh, have or will find the gate in Jesus Christ and the path that is shown to us here. Christ tells us on the path to eternal life, we should love as 
he has loved us without possibly getting love back. That is not easy. We will be persecuted and we will have failures along the way. But there is a reward and even if we uh, do not get it now, we know that it is waiting for us in heaven on that day when we see Jesus. So Matthew seven fifteen through 16 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Um, the fruits represent what a plant produces, right? That's how an easy way for us to think of it. It's what people see. It's what they taste and that they may sample. If we look down to verse 18, we can see a healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear um, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Did I say that backwards? Bear bad fruit, bear good fruit. <laughs> okay. Um, Jesus said his disciples would be able to recognize false prophets by their fruits, right? Their teachings and their actions. People regard their good works as an indication of their righteous character. And eventually, uh, if it is a false prophet, the true nature of the person would come apparent. And it is clear that once seemingly good fruits were destructive all along. The point Jesus is making here was simply uh, that false prophets do what is bad. um, And traditionally, um, false, um, sorry, people who follow God faithfully, typically do what is good. Let us just be mindful and protect ourselves from those ravenous wolves. In verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Ouch. So Jesus is telling this person who may have called themselves a Christian, possibly with some pretty solid stats or credentials, you didn't make the cut. So what we need to understand is that this is just a warning from Jesus. We haven't crossed the finish line yet. The game is not over. What Jesus is saying is, look, None of you would be good enough. And he knows uh, who everyone is, and he specifically says he will not know who those false professors are. Many of them who claim to deal with Jesus and have a relationship and deal with holy things every day, yet they have no personal relationship with Jesus or God. So Jesus is telling his false followers, although you think you knew me, I never knew you. The answer to this, is it more important to know Jesus or to be known by Jesus? Jesus is pointing us in the direction of the golden rule in verse 12. For that answer, you see, by truly learning to love others, uh, the way that you want to be loved is getting to the heart of who Jesus is. So verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
So Jesus is saying that not everyone who comes knocking at his door will enter the gates of heaven. We learned that we must be known by him, and which occurs through salvation, being saved. If we are born again in Christ and have been baptized by the Holy Spirit, Christ dwells in us. This means if Christ is in, does in fact live in us, we get a free pass because we have unlocked the gate to Jesus, the gate of Jesus, to the path of eternal life. As Christ lives, Christ does. He lives, therefore he loves. And I'm speaking about right here. Uh, there is a saying that seeing is believing, which Christ tells us that we can see the fruit of one's life where he lives in someone. But the thought of being is believing, I feel is just as important here. Um, without being the heart, the hands, and the feet of Jesus, it is hard to see um, the fruit of others and in ourselves. It is it is a free pass, and human tendencies drift towards works because um, we have that free pass as Christians. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but Jesus tells us, actually he warns us, not to just live a carefree life as Christians. Since we as Christians have that free pass um, by accepting the Lord and Savior, it matters to Jesus how we finish that trip down the path. Do we coast and ride easy? Or does Christ thrive in us and force us up the hard hill, uphill pedal to finish the race strong? James 2.17 says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Our Father's will works through us in the Holy Spirit to do the most loving and true-hearted acts of kindness in our everyday lives. Let's not get confused uh, here with being in good works alone, like we just heard in James 2.17, um, with uh, the elder brother in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. Luke 15.29 says, But he answered his fathers, Father, look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. We look at the elder son here and see he wasn't faithfully serving his father out of love. His heart was just working to gain from his father. <clears throat> this is simple application of the heart. If we truly are a follower of Christ, all we need to do is to live out his mission. Jesus Christ doesn't want us to serve the church just to check the box like in my story. He wants us to be the church and to love on people, on all of his people. He loves, uh, uh, he, he likes and he loves us. Jesus doesn't 
want you to help the flood victims because uh, it is a good gesture. He wants uh, you to feel compassion for their loss and love them like it were that, uh, the loss that you had. And by the way, I just want to call a, a sermon time out here. I know I did this uh, last week or the week before, but I just want to say again, there were some of you that weren't here. I saw you guys last week, and I know there's multiple occasions of people serving the flood victims here. And I can just see the Lord up in heaven, and I can imagine that Jesus and uh, God are up there high-fiving and smiling down on that act of kindness that you guys did. He says they are becoming one people. Those people down in Emerson and the surrounding area, they are getting it. I think there is a lot of good here, City Lights, but we have not arrived yet, okay? Since this uh, is a pat on your backs from someone who loves you, that is okay. As long as I'm not turning around and patting myself on the back uh, in this instance. Uh, So he doesn't want you to help mow the widow's yard just because uh, she's your neighbor and it's long and it looks bad. Uh, He wants you to, to love her where she's at. He wants you to show her the caring heart of Jesus, to understand what she goes through on her daily basis and support her. We all know this, but we don't all do this, again, including myself. We can do so much more for this town for this community and this region as one people working together under God. What would it look like if we all served one another at this church? What would that look like? If we woke up this sleepy town and we became the heartbeat of this region, do you see, do you believe that this can happen, City Lights? My family and I do. I know the Lottas do. The Hardesties do. City Light Council Bluffs does. And I believe that there are a lot of you here that believe that too. So I have a feeling, um, so there is a reason that I am standing here on this stage right now. It is because um, I am here because of prayer and belief in my heart that something is better yet to come. I believe that. Jesus wants us to know what is right not what is easy. We must stand together and put on the armor of God and work together as one. As we leave here today, let us go out knowing that we have already won in what Jesus has done. And if we are truly known, if we are to be truly known by God, he points us to Jesus and the golden rule. We don't need to run the race that Jesus did and live up to our Father's expectations. Uh, Christ did that for us. If you can relate here to my story today, I pray that the Lord frees you from that self-righteous, works-based life. Um, My hope is that you leave today uh, and put yourself in someone else's shoes uh, to love them where they are at. Uh, I pray, um, if you do not know Jesus, I pray today uh, that today would be the day that you invite him into your life and ask him to walk with you. He will transform your life in more ways than you can ever imagine. You can be forgiven for your past and look to a future with him. Thank you so much. I love you guys. And uh, <clears throat> thank you. If, if we can all just uh, uh, bow our heads and uh, we'll close in prayer. 
Father, I just thank you uh, for your heart. I thank you for your son Jesus and what he did uh, today on Palm Sunday. Let us just humble ourselves like Jesus, our, our humble uh, servant who served the people who loved his father. And uh, let us just go out and put these things into uh, practice that you have put on our heart today, Lord. Uh, I know that this all seems heavy, but the answer here truly, I pray, Lord God, that we look to you. The answer is your son, Jesus, and what he has done for us on this day thousands of years ago. I pray for the people to go out and to, uh, to step into the community and love on one another just as they would want to be loved. And I just pray for protection. Uh, as we enter into communion, I just ask that we come before the Father and lay down our burdens and uh, just understand the sacrifice that Jesus made here for us. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.